It's time for the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast with CNHI Sports Indiana's George Brimmer, your number one source for the latest Colts news, information, and discussion. It's time to kick things off. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast. I'm your producer, Heather B., and I'm here with your host, CNHI Sports Indiana executive editor and Colts beat writer, George Brimmer. George, this is the time of year where there's a lot of moving and shaking around the NFL as teams add free agents, but not so much with the Colts. I get the sense from some fans that they're frustrated with Chris Ballard's less aggressive approach. Should they be, or should we be having a little more patience with this rebuilding process? And once the season comes along, can fans expect to be winning while we're going through rebuilding? Yeah, I mean... On the first part of that, I would say there is no right or wrong. I, I, I would hate to, to tell the fans what they should do or shouldn't do uh, when it comes to patience with, with what's going on uh, in the way they're building it. I think you know it's, it's more our job uh, from the reporting standpoint to kind of explain what the team's thinking is, and then it's up to the fans to kind of whether, decide whether they agree with that or not. Uh, but I don't think you know I think it's perfectly fine to be upset to, to have wanted to see the team to be more active. Uh, to bring in bigger names and free agency or whatever uh, that case may be. So I, I certainly don't want to come off as like lecturing in any way uh, about that because, you know, I really feel like that that's up to to each fan and, and to how they see things. I do know from the team's approach right now, the idea is they want to build for the long term. They don't want to build something that that's kind of all in for 2018 and then uh, next offseason start kind of, over again in many ways and and I think in Chris Ballard's view that's the way he looks at free agency I, I think he feels like if you go out and you spend the big money even if you do the long-term contracts with, with some of these guys uh, a lot of these things have outs in them and and then you end up kind of rebooting again two years later you're seeing it this offseason with Miami uh, a couple years ago they went out they got in Dominican Sue they were adding to that team in a very specific way and now Adam Gase after a couple years as the head coach is looking around and, and he wants to go in a different direction he wanted to change the culture of the locker room and you hear a lot about that here in Indianapolis as well and so now a lot of those guys they signed are, are being jettisoned off and, and, and going to other places I think it's going to be really interesting to watch how the next few years play out here in Indianapolis and then also with the Rams out in LA because the Rams have been the polar opposite of the Colts. I mean, the Colts have signed four free agents so far this year and really most of them, I think Eric Ebron might might be a pretty major signing. I think they have a pretty big role in mind for him, but a lot of these other guys, Denico Autry is going to be a guy who competes for a role uh, on the edge. Ryan Grant's going to be a guy who competes for a role as a wide receiver. And even Matt Slauson, I, I think he comes in as a likely starter uh, at one of the guard spots, but they're going to try to add competition there. and They're going to try to make everybody work for that spot. Uh, Jack Muhort's back. He's going to be in that mix. And I expect that there'll probably be somebody from a deep interior offensive line group uh, in the draft that, that gets to join that group too. So really not a lot of instant impact there maybe eventually there will be once these guys find their roles but not a lot of guys who were signed with the idea of being starters and being major impact players the Rams on the other hand have gone out and added Sue they've added most recently Brandon Cooks in a trade they they brought in uh Aqib Tlaib they, they they've been working very hard out there to to make these big splashy moves and and they're definitely all in for 2018 so 
it'll be interesting to see come 2020 where these two teams are and which approach kind of worked better. I think if you look at the long haul with the NFL, generally the teams that kind of build through the draft have the more sustained success. But we've seen it work in in the free agency way too. I mean, the Broncos with Peyton Manning, uh, that was a very free agency built team that, that John Elway put together. They won a Super Bowl. The Eagles added a lot through free agency uh, and, and won the Super Bowl this year. So I think both approaches work. I think the more important thing is does your GM have a plan? Is there a long-term picture with these moves? Or are you just kind of adding and playing fantasy football in real life? And and that we know Chris Ballard isn't doing. So I think that's the important part. As far as can they win this year as part of this rebuilding process, it, the answer always comes back to one guy. And I know, you know, the organization wants to, to downplay that as much as possible. Uh, but so much on, on whether or not this team can win this year rides on Andrew Luck and what he's able to do out there. Uh, I think when you've got a quarterback who's a top-flight guy, you're never really totally in rebuilding mode. Well, there has been some good news on that front this week. Um, Andrew is making progress. He's throwing, not necessarily a regulation-sized football, but he is throwing. And it looks like this off-season schedule is lining up with where we've heard his projected time frame is. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because we hear a lot that you know, maybe come May and in June and even maybe late April, uh, that he was going to ramp up the intensity of the throwing process. And when you look at the way the offseason schedules set up right now, April 24th is the first voluntary camp. Uh, I've said this a number of times. That to me is kind of the first checkpoint, the first major checkpoint. You know, how much is he participating in that camp? Do we see him throw? Uh, you know, is he out there on the field with his teammates? Because, yes, the offseason itself, the offseason program starts on Monday, April 9th. But they're not going to do a whole lot of on-field work at that time. It's more strength and conditioning uh, in the first couple phases. And, and even when they first do get onto the field, it's going to be more individual work. I think it, there's very limited uh, access that the coaches have to those practices. So it's it's not going to be a, a real chance for him to go out and throw and it, and it won't be the media won't be there won't be a public kind of an exhibition at that point when you get to that April 24th mini camp he's going the media will be there we'll be able to watch it I'm sure there'll be video coming out of that uh you know either through the team or, or if we're allowed to get some shots uh of course you won't want them from my angle that's that's a whole other argument uh but <clears throat> I think that's the first major checkpoint because there will be something that is a, a full practice with the team out there all together. And, and so how much does he participate then? And I would expect right now from everything we've heard and, and the kind of the, the progress that he's been on, it, that that'll be a pretty limited uh, practice for him. But I would expect to see him throw a little bit there. And then after that, there's really kind of a long break until late May, May 20th, May 22nd, somewhere around there is when the actual OTAs start up again. And that's where they're practicing three or four times a week. Uh, I think there's nine total OTAs they're allowed. And then the veteran minicamp in, in June, the, the mandatory minicamp at, at the end of the offseason program. So I think that does set up well for him and the idea that they're trying to bring him along slowly. So you kind of get a look in April. He throws a little bit at the voluntary camp. You see how he recovers from that. He goes through some less strenuous work again until May. And then you come back in May and you can have that nice little run through OTAs and, and through the 
mandatory camp where he is a little more intense in that workout and you can really get a good read on the shoulder and that should give them I think a pretty good idea going into training camp and if all goes uh, according to plan which obviously has not happened very often with this process but if all goes according to plan and he and he meets each of those steps along the way then I would think that uh, the gloves would pretty much be off for training camp and he'll be ready to go and I think if he can get to that point uh, where there aren't really many restrictions or at least any really important restrictions on him as training camp comes in, I think you'll be able to hear an audible sigh of relief from, from the fan base. Well, let's turn our attention to the draft for a minute. Obviously, nobody knows how those first five picks are going to work out now that the Colts have dropped back to number six. But is there a possibility that the Colts dra- draft Rokon Smith? Uh, and what are the other options out there at number six? Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. There was a lot of noise kind of on social media this week because it came out that Roquan Smith's coming in for a a visit, and I think people have been focused a lot on on that kind of holy trinity, if you will, at the top that we've heard about for for weeks now, months really, with Saquon Barkley, Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson. Uh, Those are the top three guys. When they were picking three, I, I think everybody thought it would be one of those three uh, and even now, there's a good chance it, that one of those three, if not more, will be there at, at six and, and could be the pick. But I think Roquan Smith is a guy that you really need to keep an eye on. First of all, linebacker is a huge position of need with this team, uh, maybe even more so than offensive line, and, and that's saying something. Uh, and Smith is very athletic. He's very quick. I think he had the second fastest time behind Shaquem Griffin in the 40-yard dash at the Combine. Uh, we cannot emphasize enough how much speed is going to be a factor in in adding to this new defense. Uh, Matt Eberflus talked about it the little bit of time that, that we've heard him talk at the, at the season ticket members event earlier this spring. They're going to be looking for athletic guys. They're going to be looking for fast guys. That, that's a huge part of this. Smith checks off every one of those boxes. He's a guy who's kind of projected between 5 and 12 in most of the mock drafts, for what that's worth. So he's definitely in that area. Uh, he's a guy Denver's interested in possibly at, at the pick ahead of the Colts. Uh, so I think that he is definitely somebody to keep your eye on. And I think there's going to be a long list of guys there. I, I think if you're focused on those initial three, that, that Barkley, Chubb, Nelson grouping, I don't know that it's necessarily that three that, that, that is the only people who make up this group I feel like Smith's definitely in that mix I think Tremaine Edmonds the linebacker from Virginia Tech uh, who's only 19 years old we've talked about a couple times on the pod I think he's got a shot to be in that mix Uh, there's so many things out there right now that that Ballard can do I, I think it I guess what I'm trying to say long story short here is I think it's in the fan base's best interest right now to keep an open mind at that pick because I have a feeling that the field is a little bit wider in in Chris Ballard's vision than maybe it is in in the narrative that's been out there for the past months or so since the season ended. We'll talk more about the draft picks here in a few minutes. Pony Express is up next. Delivering answers to all of your burning questions about the Colts and the NFL. It's the Pony Express. All right, this is the mailbag segment of our show where George answers your burning Colts questions. First up this week from at Boiler Alum 1. Would OL Nelson or DE Chubb make more sense at number six given Luck's injury history? 
Yeah, well, first of all, I know that you love that that Twitter handle, so you're yes. going to be right on board with that. Uh, but I, I feel like Nelson, everybody who, who's been around me at all since the combine knows that I had a huge man crush on, on Quentin Nelson, so there's no doubt about that. I want to make that very clear up front. I'm, I'm totally on board with Quentin Nelson and, and him being a pick high in this draft. I think he's one of the most violent offensive linemen that, that we've seen come through in a long time. I love his attitude. I love the way he carries himself. I love the way he plays football. Uh, that being said, I think now, I think that Chubb is, is the better value at six for this football team right now. Uh, and I understand all the concern about Luck's health. And certainly there, there are some more upgrades that need to come to this line. A healthy Jack Muhort would help. Uh, certainly bringing in Matt Slauson will help. Uh, but, that's going to be an area that's addressed in this draft. It absolutely has to be addressed in this draft. Also, though, I think people have to remember how beat up this line was last year. I don't want to sit here and make excuses for what happened and, and, and the way the results went, but you got to realize that the starting line that they thought they had, the guys that we talked about this time last year, the guys that went through training camp or more the spring because the injuries really started happening in, in training camp, they were not together really at all. I mean, Muhort got hurt very early in the year and ended up going on IR. Joe Haig, they wanted to kind of slot him into one spot this year and, and keep him, you know, instead of moving around the way he did as a rookie, they, they wanted to give him a chance to grow in, in one spot. And that really didn't happen because of the injuries everywhere else. He still moved. He didn't move as much as he did as a rookie, but he still moved around a little bit. And then, you know, people kind of forget that Ryan Kelly essentially didn't play last year. By the time he got back, the season was already in tatters. And then he wasn't – I don't think he was ever fully healthy the whole season. And he goes on, on injured reserve to end the year. Uh, well, not on injured reserve, but he gets that concussion at the end of the year and, and can't make it back. And, and really, at that point, you absolutely want to err on the side of caution. So I guess what I'm saying is there's a lot of upgrades to this offensive line that can happen just by getting the guys they thought they had together on the field. Uh, and that being said, they still – Look, you need at least one more guard to get into that mix. I think it would be a good idea to add somebody to the right tackle mix and somebody that could potentially start over there. Uh, but this pass rush has been non-existent for so long. It, it, you can go and get somebody like Bradley Chubb who can make a huge difference one-on-one, -on -one, win those battles without having to send extra rushers uh, that can change so much for the team. And there are other ways. I think important thing when we talk to finish up this long answer, uh, an important thing when we talk about protecting luck, and, and Frank Reich has mentioned it a number of times already, it's not just the offensive linemen, the bodies that are up there and their technique. They're going to get rid of the ball faster this year. That's a huge focus on, on this offense. And I don't think you can underplay that. I, there were a lot of deep drops in Rob Chudzinski's offense. And a lot of times there weren't a lot of quick outlets. So even if uh, you wanted, you realize the play was breaking down, you want to get rid of the ball quickly, there weren't a lot of options to do that in a lot of the plays the way they were designed. So I think that's going to help a little bit. And then Luck's going to have to make some better decisions. I mean, some of this has always been on him. We've seen him because he's he's built a little bit like a Terminator and he's got a Quentin Nelson mentality when it comes to football, uh, he will often hold on to the ball and try to make a play in situations where he probably needs to just get rid of it. So I think they're going to improve the offensive line talent and that's going to be a big part of it. But I guess 
part of what I'm trying to say here is just bringing in Quentin Nelson isn't going to be enough anyway. You've got to make all these changes. And I think bringing in Bradley Chubb will make a big difference just on its own in terms of, of what they can do with the pass rush. All right, our next question comes from Atniswonger37. Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit. After Chubb, Barkley, and Nelson, who do you think the fourth guy is on Ballard's mind? Yeah, I think there's a really good chance that it's one of the linebackers um, just because that is such a huge need. And obviously, we know that Smith's coming in for one of the top 30 visits and, and what that's worth. I'm always a little bit leery of those reports anyway because how many times do do you get the guy on the conference call on draft day and, and we say hey did you have any idea how much contact did you have with the Colts in this process and they say none they never talked to us we we had no clue the first time I heard from them was the call on on draft day so uh you know the the top 30 visits are more important than some of the other things because they do mean a lot but at the same time you got to weigh all of this with a grain of salt. That being said, Roquan Smith, like I said earlier, meets a lot of the criteria for what they need. I think Tremaine Edmonds is really a sleeper in this group because there are people out there, and one of them is Lance Zerline with NFL.com, who believe that, that he has traits similar to Brian Urlacher. And if you're going with that Chicago defense, which the Bears, or which the Colts are trying to do, that style that the Bears played back when they were going to the Super Bowl as, as well, you know, in the mid-2000s, getting that Erlacher piece is incredibly valuable. So if if Chris Ballard shares that vision, and, and I mentioned Lance Zerline's name because those guys are friends. You know, Lance Zerline was here last summer during training camp a little bit, a couple of days, spending time with Chris Ballard. That doesn't mean that they see things the same way on every player by any stretch of the imagination. But when Zerline's one of the guys that's saying this, it it makes me raise my eyebrows a little bit because if Ballard sees Edmonds as a Brian Urlacher type of player, uh, that might be something that 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 he's going to be very very interested in at six. The other guy that I think you have to look at is possibly the fourth option, and I don't hear his name a lot is Denzel Ward. He's the corner from Ohio State. First of all, he's obviously already got some chemistry and some experience with Malik Hooker last year's first-round pick, so that's always nice and playing together in the secondary. But secondly, we talked about this at, at the top of the show a little bit already. Speed is such a huge factor in what they're looking for in this defense, and Ward's got more of it, more pure speed than anybody in this draft class. So I would not rule him out either as a possibility. Okay, our next question comes from at Daryl Ingram 9. He asks, he's wondering what your take is on what positions Ballard should pull the trigger on early in the draft. Yeah, linebacker, 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 which I'm going to say all the time anyway. Yeah, that's your default answer for yeah, everything. As you know, if I if I was GM, I'd probably draft 11 linebackers every year and everyone would kill me and I would be fired. But Well, if you could, would you would have cloned Brian Urlacher and just had a team of 11 Brian Urlachers. I would probably have Brian Urlacher and Chris Spielman and trying to think who else are my, my linebacking gods for me. Uh, you know, Lawrence Taylor. I mean, how can you not, not throw him into the mix? I mean, yeah, that that's always kind of where I went. Uh, but realistically, this team has very little right now at the linebacker position that fits this defense. When you're talking about speed, athleticism, uh, that wasn't the way they were built the past few years. The old defensive scheme, they were looking for more thumpers in there. And, and now you got to kind of change that mindset. So I think 
they're definitely going to be looking at linebacker. I think the interior offensive line, there's so much depth there uh, from what I've heard. I think that that's something that's going to go in the first three rounds of this draft. That they, they need to look for guards. Uh, if they can find an offensive tackle, that would be all the better as well. But they really need to be looking at, at that, that guard group. Uh, I think there's a really good chance a wide receiver is going to be in that mix, um, especially if there's a big athletic guy like a Cortland Sutton from SMU. I, I think guys like that are, are going to be – uh, really heavily looked at by this team, and I think there's a good chance a running back goes fairly early uh, if it's the right running back in this mix because I think they want to have that balance in, in the offense that Frank Reich wants to run. Um, but in all honesty, and I know it's such a trite kind of an answer, especially this time of year, but I I don't think there's a position group on the roster that Ballard isn't looking to add a big-time talent to. And so... I think everything's on the board. I, I really do. I won't be surprised. I'd be surprised if they take a quarterback in the first three rounds, and that's about it. Anything else is not going to shock me. Our next question comes from at Old Colts fan. So I'm glad Ballard is giving her another opportunity to earn a spot, but I still have never fully understood what Jack's precise injury was slash is, nor have I heard of him having any medical procedures this, this offseason. Any insights on what's actually going on? You know, I think this is a good one because I think it's something that got underplayed a lot because it happened kind of in the course of the year and it happened at a time in the year when the team was struggling. And, and so that stuff kind of gets lost in the wash. And uh, my understanding is that what it is is chondral defect, which is the same thing that uh, Kendall Langford had when he was here uh, that he tried to play through the season before and got a, what, one, two, maybe three weeks into the season, and they realized it wasn't going to happen. Um, everything I've heard is it didn't require surgery. That, that and I think we had a conference call with him after he came back, and I believe he confirmed my memory. You know, I've slept since then, so I'm pretty sure that, that he confirmed that uh, he didn't have any, any additional surgeries or anything like that this offseason. Uh, it is an injury that oftentimes can in, can heal on its own, and that's what they were kind of hoping would happen with Langford a couple of years ago. Uh, but trying to do that at the start of the season is obviously a lot different than trying to do it during the offseason when you actually have that time to, to rest. Everything I've heard so far and everything Jack said on the, on the conference call points to the idea that he's in probably the best health he's been in in, in a couple of years. He's feeling really good. Uh, and I think that makes him an interesting addition here because when he was healthy and he was able to get out there on the field, he was one of the better linemen that, that this group had. And so if you can get him back in there and shore up one of those guard spots and then you can get Slauson, if you can get a year or two from Slauson uh, at the level that, that he can play at, uh, that kind of nasty veteran in there too, and then you add a young guy in the mix who can learn behind them, I think that's the ideal situation right now for the Colts. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what Muhort does going forward. But everything I've heard is that at this point, health is not a big issue for him. So hopefully that remains true through the spring and, and he'll be able to go through training camp and start the season uh, at 100% for the first time in a long while. At It's Tricky to Rock asks, besides Luck and Hooker, which Colts is Ballard counting on because they're now healthy and should do much better with the new coaching schemes? That is a very, very good question. And and I think the list starts with, with Quincy Wilson. And I think everybody still kind of tries to, to figure out exactly what went on last year. There was a knee injury uh, that did play a factor in the early part of the season. Uh, after that, 
it's very interesting to find out, you know, what was going on where Wilson couldn't quite convince that coaching staff that, that he was the guy to put on the field because it took till very, very, very late in the season. And then I think what really adds to the mystery there is when Quincy Wilson played, he played well. And so you're looking at a guy who has a lot of opportunity with the way the offseason went now. He's he's right now uh, would be penciled in as one of the starting corners for this team. And I think he he leads this list just because we really have no idea what went wrong last year. Uh, he's one of the guys I can't wait to talk to this spring, honestly, and see what his take is on last season and on, on where he is at this year. Uh, and, and kind of building off of that, I think the rookie class as a whole, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Marlon Mack is used in this offense, uh, where they want to tailor things to guys' strengths. Uh, you know, we've seen that burst from him and, and obviously he's got things he's got to work on and consistency he's got to work on to get out there and get a little more playing time but it'll be interesting to see what they can do with him in this scheme offensively and using the, some of the special gifts that he has I, I think it's going to be interesting to see Grover Stewart this year that's a guy that Chris Ballard's been very high on often he'll bring him up in conversations with the media without being asked uh, with Jonathan Hankins gone, there's an opening for him. And I, I know a lot of people look at his frame and think, well, if Hankins isn't a fit, how is Stewart a fit? He's remarkably athletic for his size. And I think that's one of the reasons why Ballard likes him so much. Here's a guy who's got the, the girth and the bulk to to stop the run and to be a factor in that part of the game, but also has the speed and athleticism to to do what they want to to get from from the defenders in this scheme. Uh, that they're moving to in this defense. So I think he's a guy that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then I'm always intrigued by guys like Matthias Farley, uh, who came along last year. He, I, To me, he's in the same position going into this year that Jack Doyle was in going into last year. He's a guy who worked his butt off, earned a starting spot, started most of the season, and now you wonder, can you build off that? Can you go and, as Jack did, go and become a Pro Bowl player uh, you know, maybe not to that level, but can you go and, and, and cement your position? So, uh, and and then I can't believe I didn't think of this name until now because it should be right up there with Quincy Wilson, the other guy that the players will tell you. Uh, I heard his name on January first when they were leaving the locker room more than anybody else's is Clayton Gathers. Uh, from all reports, he's healthy. That secondary loves him, and they cannot wait to play alongside him. The young guys in that secondary look up to him. Love the way he plays. He's a very unique talent. We've talked about that on the pod a lot uh, through the season last year. He's a very unique talent. There's really nobody else on the roster right now who brings the physicality at that position that, that he brings. And so I think he's another guy who's who's maybe uh, his return could have a big impact for this team and it's certainly on that young secondary. All right, another question from at It's Tricky to Rock. Kind of a follow-up to an early question. Which positions of need is Ballard most likely to wait to address till the later in the draft? I think running back is always there. I mean, I talked about they could go early, and they definitely could if the right guy's there. Uh, but you see a deep running back class again. You see the success that guys have had, other teams have had with late-round running backs. And I think there's definitely a, a possibility that that's something that, that waits till either probably day three in all honesty there there's no reason why you can't pick somebody up round four through six at, at that position 
I think by necessity they they may weigh a little bit um, on the offensive line too. I, I shouldn't say necessity because it's not necessarily a, a, an incredibly deep group at tackle, but there are so many guys when you kind of look through the draft class, there's so many linebackers, there's so many corners, there's so many receivers uh, that, that you think will be there with second round grades that it's, there's a good chance that, that some of those other positions come off the board because of the way the board is slated. And so the offensive line, the outside of the offensive line, the tackle might get pushed down a little bit, but I'll tell you, you never know with Ballard. And I think we saw that last year and going in this time last year, if we had had the podcast, I would have said, that I expect to see an edge rusher in the first two rounds. And, and Terrell Basham didn't come off the board in, until round three. Uh, and he's another guy who should have been in the last question as well. Basham's an, another guy that I think they feel like this scheme fits him better than than the old defensive scheme. So, uh, But that's the thing. With Ballard, I, I think he is really going to stick to his process. We saw it in free agency. We've seen it with almost every move that he's made. He's got a plan. He's got kind of a set of rules that he's following and and he that's what will guide him nothing else you know nothing I write certainly nothing that comes from from fan pressure uh from other media pressure he's got his his view his vision of how this is going to play out and and that's he will follow that all right our final question this week comes from at day blue man and he always makes you think so could you talk about the level of upgrade each of the expected draft possibilities represents, i.e., how much of an upgrade would Nelson be over the current guards, and how much impact would that upgrade have on wins? Which selection would ultimately have the greatest impact on wins? Yeah, that's a huge, huge question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. A lot to chew on on that one. I mean, ironically, if you look at raw numbers recently, uh, the, the first-round position – high in the first round where the Colts are now top five top 10 uh, that seems to have the biggest impact on wins has been running back can you imagine that but it a lot of that has to do with the fact that Dallas improved so much when they drafted Ezekiel Elliott uh, and Jacksonville had that huge turnaround year last year after taking Leonard Fournette and you could make the argument that those guys just came into situations that were already good they're not necessarily the reason that those wins went up. Uh, but just from a raw number spot, it's, it's very interesting. So that, I guess, is is sometimes an argument that gets used for Saquon Barkley uh, if he's there at six. And, and who knows? Uh, this is as open a top five as I can remember in a long time because no one really has any idea what's going to happen with those quarterbacks or how many of those quarterbacks are going to go in the top five, and that's going to impact everything. Uh Nelson, I think, is such a tremendous upgrade. He would come in, and he may be the best offensive lineman on the roster right away, the second he steps on the field. He'd be right there with with Ryan Kelly uh, for that competition. And so, obviously, the the level of upgrade there, I think his is is the highest uh, because of what they have currently and what what they had last year at his spot and, and what he could bring to the table. But I don't know how much impact a guard has on on your win total. It's certainly going to have an impact on your quarterback's ability to get that extra second to to hold on to the ball, to to let T.Y. Hilton get open a little bit longer, get those big plays and and things like that. It certainly would give Marlon Mack an extra step or two uh, in the backfield. So you know, I, that's a, I think that's a huge boost, but. It, 
in terms of value to the team as a whole, I kind of answered that earlier, and I still think that that one goes to Bradley Chubb. You know, I feel like he's that edge rusher, that ability to to have somebody that offensive coordinators have to spend the entire week game planning for, trying to make sure that he doesn't wreck their entire day. Uh, that's something this team's been missing since really Robert Mathis's the, the year that he led the 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 league in sacks. I think this is the last time that because after that he got hurt and they and they really haven't had that difference making edge guy since then. And so to me that makes the biggest difference because that changes everything else your defense can do. It gives the secondary a huge boost because the ball has to come out faster. So that makes guys like Quincy Wilson and Malik Hooker better and more effective. I think no one player can have a bigger impact on this team in this draft than Chubb because of where he plays and because of the, of what that can do. So ultimately I feel like his position value is, is the best. I feel like Nelson is the biggest upgrade in terms of where they are now to where they would be with him. And I feel like Barkley is the best overall talent. You know, if you're just looking at the player in and of himself. I feel like Saquon Barkley is the most explosive, the best talented player there. But I think that Chubb would have the biggest impact on wins. And it'll be interesting to see how, how first of all, how Chris Ballard feels about that. And second of all, whether or not any of those three guys will still be on the board at number six. And that's the number one thing. And I'm sure we'll get into this more as we, as we get pods that, that are closer to draft day. But the number one thing to keep an eye on when the first round rolls around is how many quarterbacks go in the top five. Because the Colts need at least two of them to go in the top five uh, to feel somewhat comfortable. And if they get three, then you guarantee one of those guys absolutely is going to be there when they pick at six. Uh, if you get four, then there might be a parade in downtown Indianapolis at that point, led by by Ballard and Reich, because then they're going to have a lot of options at six. So uh, you really, really keep an eye on what the Giants do at two what the Browns do at four and what the Broncos do at five, because those feel to be right now kind of the swing spots in that top five where one of those three guys could go at each of those spots. Well, that wraps up Pony Express for the week. You can send your t- questions to George on Twitter at GM Bremer each week. George, is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with as we're signing off for this week? Uh, nothing particularly, but I, I do think that we're kind of getting into that exciting time again. And I think we're going to be closer to weekly with the podcast now, because again, the off season program starts Monday. It's hard to believe the off season goes by so quickly as far as the quote unquote dead period. Uh, And and here, you know, the team's going to be back together on Monday and it's a big day because it's the first time that Frank Reich really gets his hands on this roster up until then they can have conversations, but it's more like, how you doing? Can you believe how bad this weather is? That kind of stuff. Uh, now they can start talking football. They can start putting in those new systems on both the offensive and the defensive side uh, and just kind of getting an idea of who came back in, in really good shape. Uh, it's a big week for the team coming up. And I think this offseason program, this offseason stretch here between now and training camp is as important as, as any offseason since 2012. Uh, because the draft's going to play such a big role in this and, and working those guys into here, but because you've got new coordinators and a new head coach and you don't know for sure 
what Andrew Luck's going to look like, you know, how he comes along during this stretch, how Malik Hooker comes along during this stretch. It's going to be a really big time, I think, for Colts fans here the next couple of months as they go through the spring. And it's kind of exciting to to get it started and to get back in the building, uh, even though it's under construction, just like the roster is. Uh, a lot of new stuff coming uh, this season in Indianapolis, and I think it's going to be fun to kind of start on that path. Well, thanks for joining us for Horseshoes and Hand Grenades this week. Look for next week's podcast on your local CNHA Sports Indiana website, iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. As always, you can get the latest off-season news by following George on Twitter at GM Berber. And until next time, remember the immortal words of Ted Theodore Logan and Billis Preston Esquire and be excellent to each other. You've been listening to the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast with CNHI Sports Indiana's George Bremer. For more Colts news and information, follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer. And join us next time for more of the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast.